Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody, wherever you are. Welcome to the show. And um, before we jump into it, I just want to um, do a few shout outs. Uh, one, as usual, you're probably getting used to this. Uh, $1 unlocks 30 day trial at um, Real Vision. Go and check them out. I think it's a no brainer. You're going to learn uh, a ton about um, finance and listen to some of the smartest minds in the space, whether that's Bitcoin or mainstream finance. It's really worth, uh, worth the time to go and check out and download some of that content. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is um, my book. People keep reaching out to me and, and asking me more about it. So please go and check it out. It's called Choose Life. I wrote this uh, two or three years ago as kind of a blueprint for people that are looking to uh, challenge uh, fixed mindsets around uh, uh, education, their careers, uh, family life, um, travel. Uh, it's a book uh, about um, long-term family travel and world schooling and uh, digital nomadery. Uh, if that is such a word. hope you check it out. Um, thanks again to everybody uh, who's supporting the show and retweeting the episodes around Twitter. It's so nice to see. Uh, I'm very humbled. Um, uh, at this point, the, the Bitcoin, uh, the, the podcast, excuse me, is about uh, 11 weeks old and I've already crossed 20,000 downloads. I had no idea that would have happened and I've had uh, the pleasure to be exposed to some incredible people in the space. So, Thank you very much, everybody, for, for doing that. Let's get into it. I uh, hope you enjoy this one. It's, uh, it's really good. Um, stick around right to the end uh, because we're going to get right down into the weeds of, of what Scott's project is, and I think you're going to love it. So take care. Have, um, have a great uh, morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are, and thank you, as always, for listening. Today's guest on the show is Scott Sibley, and uh, I want to get—I um, wanted to get Scott onto the show because he's invented something which uh, I think is going to be really cool, really fun for us to uh, all sit around as families and and learn about uh, Bitcoin without even really realizing that we're learning about it. And uh, I, I wanted him to come on and talk about that and uh, and the game. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for spending the time. Awesome, thanks, Daniel, and thanks for having me on and uh, being interested in the the crazy concept I came up with over here. Yeah, it looks great. I can't, uh, I can't wait to get um, my hands on it. And um, well, as you know, when I went in to order it the other day, like the uh, the cost of the U.S. Postal Service was pretty much the same as the uh, the game itself, <laughs> which is yes, kind of a symbolic of the times we live in, I suppose. Um, exactly. I think all those shipping costs are being uh, heightened at the moment. So hopefully, things stabilize once uh, we all get back to normal life. Absolutely. Well, let's um, let's uh, ask uh, you a little bit about um, your background first of all, and um, you know what ultimately led you uh, down this this strange path, this rabbit hole that we call uh, of the Bitcoin world, and um, where the idea sprung from. Because um, it's pretty interesting. You've got like a background in ed tech, which is something very um, kind of close to my heart, and I think there's going to be some. In Incredible companies being built around ed tech for the future of education. So we've got plenty to talk about. But um, yeah. what? Um, yeah, let's back up a bit. And um, you know, what kind of like drew you into this world in the first place? Yeah. So um, even before that, I don't think we, uh, you and I, talked about this yet. My background, even before ed tech, was in public accounting. Um, so I'm out here in San Diego, California, uh, born and raised. Actually, if you're you're familiar with the area, uh, people always say, "Oh, you actually there's actually people born here," just because so many people try to move here. You're so used to hearing someone coming from somewhere else. But uh, born and raised here in San Diego, it's a tough place to leave, um, including going to college at the University of San Diego, and I got a degree in accounting, um, and actually went into public accounting on the audit side of things for uh, three or so years after graduating, and really. Um, if I look back at it, that's probably unknowing to me, unknown to me, because even that's in 2001 uh, uh, through five, so uh, before Bitcoin had ever been uh, heard about. But that's probably the start of where things started to connect um, subliminally, because if you really think about it, um, having a background in something like accounting and 
the familiarity of audit and being able to verify and uh, going through other ledgers of companies to make sure that their you know their cash on hand is correct, their accounts receivable are correct. All those sorts of concepts um, really are what resonate with uh, the Bitcoin uh, space today. So I, if I really think hard about it, that's probably where the first connection uh, started coming in. So I kind of have that um, mathematic uh, audit brain um, plugged in on the back side of things. And then, like you mentioned, uh, my main focus, um, I've actually been with the company that started Journey's Map on the EdTech side of things for uh, 12 years, uh, or going on 12 years. And before that, we had a handful of other products in the EdTech space and helped manage those. Um, and from there, we've started building out a product called Journey's Map um, that, in simple terms, um, it's Google Maps for Learning. And as I started seeing more and more about how the, uh, uh, the ed tech space is progressing along with now bubbling up around 2017, like many other people, uh, got pulled into the, the Bitcoin and really at that point crypto um, space because of the last bull run and the worlds were kind of colliding where I said, okay, we're on this side of things in my everyday life. I'm, I'm building out this map that has a lot of different purposes, but one of them is being able to track a user's lifelong learning continuum and underlying all that in our part of our vision is uh, potentially a, a blockchain or the importance of how a blockchain can be used to be able to do just that. Um, and then I'm starting to see how uh, Bitcoin and the other coins are starting to, to pop up and say, yeah, there, there's something connecting here. Um, so my story, like many others, goes, I started buying a few coins in that last bull run, uh, which was great for a little bit, and then uh, we know the story from there. Uh, but I would say, beside, uh, unlike probably the majority of people that maybe got uh, turned away because of those events after the last run, I just got sucked in more, both because of my um, interest in the space, as well as being able to connect it to my everyday job and um, see where it's all gone. So that's a, a quick background of where it all uh, started, really. Right. Yeah. Excellent. And for, for the listeners that are wondering what that noise is in the background, I'm actually conducting this outside. So there'll be definitely some uh, some bird noises <laughs> going on. Exactly. Um, and I Daniel knows it. I'm conducting it with a nine-month-old and a dog. So if there's yeah. other noises, we all know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, right. So that's interesting then about the accounting. Like, yeah, I mean, public accounting, this is like double um, book entry accounting and um, yeah, um, verifying transactions. Mm -hmm. So of course, there's a, there's an overlap there. Um, yep. I mean, this is a world I'm not familiar with at all. Could you just, like, perhaps many, many aren't either. Could you just give us like, um, like, what did that look like day to day? Like, you know, yeah. being a public accountant? Um, the day-to-day -day is probably why it was uh, quick in, quick out over the uh, three-year period, um, <laughs> to be completely honest. But one thing I will say, and I've always said it from uh, day one, it's three years that I would never uh, do over because you learn uh, so much during that time um, in various ways. And probably the first thing that pops into most people's head when you say, oh, you know, I was I have my CPA license, I was an accountant, blah, blah, blah. I say, oh, you must be great with numbers, um, you know, doing some crazy calculations or, or something like that. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, when you're talking about accounting records, for the most part, you're talking about adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. Um, so that kind of sets the stage there. But really, for the, uh, the audit side, and obviously it can be different in different countries, uh, being in the, the U.S. following uh, GAP uh, is what it's called, laws and, and procedures, uh, rules, if you will. Um, the day-to-day -day really is, um, for this purpose, you get assigned um, a client, um, or you have multiple clients, but one at a time, for the most part, one at a time, um, and you typically are on site at their uh, location, and you're there with a group. In my case, so the firm I was with um, was the largest West Coast-based firm, so it's based out of Seattle, um, and I was in the San Diego office, and they've actually continued to grow fairly well since, uh, since I left as well. Um, and so we had a bunch of, um, I'd say, uh, mid-sized companies, low to mid-sized companies that we were auditing. So um, I wasn't with one of the big fours who were doing a lot of public companies and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, but you'd go out there, um, you'd go through a, a checklist of things that you need to walk through. So for uh, taking it very simple, um, your, uh, uh, your cat, you say you have X amount of cash based on your balance sheet um, at 1231. Well, to be able to verify that, I need to, uh, one, 
get um, official copies of those records, um, showing the balance at 1231. And then to take it a step further, I need to either receive a, a letter directly or call up um, the bank and, and your representative there for, to have them verify that you have that $1,000 um, at 1231 in your bank account. So doing those sorts of activities and then the next step from there, which really um, is where a lot of my skills, I think, uh, that I carry on today have grown the most is, it's not just looking at the number and verifying it for myself. You need to document each of those steps in very precise, precise detail. So, you know, you this is the statement you looked at. This is the person you talked to on XYZ date at XYZ time. Because as, say, you start as a staff accountant, you're the, the lowest on the totem pole. And then the, the process of verif- you're verifying the company's work. And then everybody who's above you is verifying your work. Um, so all those people above you need to be able to read your steps and make sure you did the right thing and then potentially go back and redo it and get the same conclusion. Um, which once again, if, as I'm sure is right through your head, that sounds like, you know, verifying something on a blockchain in many ways and having a, uh, somebody who's mining it and so many confirmations, um, between, you know, the difference between one confirmation and a thousand confirmations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that to me, that sounds like a hell of a lot of work. And, um, <laughs> it, yeah. it definitely um, is. And it's not, it, Part of the reason um, it wasn't for me is because, sure, you're, you're learning a lot and you, you can be involved with interesting companies, but at the end of the day, um, they're not yours. Uh, they're not, you're not involved in putting together the cool product that they're, they're putting together. If they're doing something cool, you're just there making sure that they're keeping track of their books correctly. And that wasn't how I wanted to uh, uh, spend the rest of my life by any stretch of the imagination. And that must have like lit the entrepreneurial spirit then and, and what um, ultimately led, uh, led you into the field of um, ed tech and startups. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I, I think I've had kind of that spirit going on my entire life, um, uh, uh, coming a lot from my dad's side of things. And then um, I remember even go back when I was in elementary school, say third or fourth grade, um, there was a a citywide kind of invention competition that went on where you can invent a product and you showcase it at your school. And if you win at your school, you can go on to the next round of things and blah, blah. Um, and I invented, um, I called it the handy handle. And I think it was probably cause I was watching a lot of inspector gadget at the time and you could always uh, make your hands go farther out than you needed to. So I got a bunch of PVC piping. Um, and at the end of it took a, a, a clip, and had that clip be uh, able to be opened and closed by your your hand grabbing a um, a lever, so that if you needed to grab something that was a bunch you know taller than you or whatnot, you could have it on your hand and uh, ended up going all the way to the this uh, I think I guess it was the city uh, level and getting I don't know a blue ribbon or a red ribbon or some sort of prize there. So I think uh, the invention, creativity, entrepreneurship side has been baked in for a while. So what led you then to um, the, the the game that you've uh, invented? Um, you know what what uh, what what aspect of it's probably a good question actually to go with. Um, what aspect of Bitcoin do you find the most intriguing? And uh, what's the one that like really like clawed into you? Oh, I would say well at the fir- at the beginning, um, the thing that I found most intriguing was just seeing the the dollar value go up. Uh, you know, number go up. That's probably the thing that gravitates most people in at first but then what kept me in was you know i started i read the white paper um i read i forget what it was called it was a, a shorter book that i got off of amazon around just kind of how uh proof of work mining works um i read uh, the bitcoin standard um so then i started to learn a little bit more about the concept of it and then the thing that probably kept resonating the most was just okay there's there's only 21 million of these. I get that now. Um, uh, and at the end of the day, it's where we're at right now. It's a fairly, in my ter- my terms, um, low risk uh, thing to be able to put some uh, portion of your uh, your money in to see where it goes. Um, the, the risk reward there is too great to ignore. And um, at the end of the day that the track record shows over the ten, past 10 plus years, um, you're going to be better off for it as long as you have a, a high time frame, high time frame, which, um, I personally have, uh, just by nature. Um, even before all this, I, I understood the value of, um, holding, you know, say cash from a, from being a kid. I remember getting, you know, $20 bills for your birthday and I had 
no interest in spending them. Uh, I just wanted to to keep them in my you know in my drawer or in my bank account um, and see where, where it all goes. And uh, I would be willing to bet that when uh, I purchased uh, my first house in, uh, ten or so years ago, um, some of those dollars that were used are probably some that could be traced back to being a you know a third or fourth grader. <laughs> So that was already there, like the um, yeah. the idea of uh, investing for the long term and low yeah. time preference and mindset. Um, that's awesome. So many people that, that they that kind of takes over a little while after being in Bitcoin, but to come in with already that mindset in place is uh, you know you, you're kind of well ahead of most of the people there. Yeah, it's a hard concept. I think it's something that uh, intuitively most people are are used to act used to act both acting faster and then. Uh, probably the reason most people who came in in the last bull run exited so quickly is because oh, it must you know I didn't get what I wanted uh, or I lost what I you know what I put in. It's you know everybody was right. It's fake. It's not real. Blah blah blah. All those uh, comments that we're all used to hearing. Do you think it'll be different this time? That well, we we all believe there's going to be another like uh, <laughs> huge bull run, um, yeah. which many of us in the space believe is going to just like you know make 2017 look like a bit of a walk in the park. Do you think, obviously, that's going to bring new people in? Do you think more will stick around this time? And, and if so, why? I do. Um, and maybe we're good luck because I know when I woke up this morning, everything was was pumping a little bit. So uh, who knows? Maybe we're at the continuing to be at the start of that uh, coming up here over the next few months and into the next year. Uh, but, yeah, I think slowly but surely um, more and more of that will happen. Uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to make a game like this because I think these little things can help uh, do so and it'll probably take time still but if you think about I mean even me who's only been around what you know going on two and a half almost three years uh, if you go back to the the last bull run in 2017 um, I've just seen the amount of changes um, in the space the amount of companies growing around it Um, and I don't know I just Part of the thing that gives me confidence is knowing, you know, if um, a company like, say, uh, um, a BlockFi is getting what they get, like $30 million or whatever the, the normal amount of money was a few uh, weeks or a month or so ago for next next round, um, I mean, that, that tells me that it's not just you and I, uh, and me sitting here in San Diego and you in France who think, believe in this crazy concept. There's... Um, there's a lot of tailwind behind what's going on here. And these companies that are building, I would find it hard to believe are just going to vanish one day. Um, it, it's going to keep growing and, and see where it all goes. No matter, It's going to go up no matter what that means. And hopefully the fact that the next round of people are maybe a little bit more familiar with what a, um, a Coinbase is or, or what a, um, a cash app is and, and the way that those can be used uh, will give them comfort in knowing, okay, um, it's not a crazy concept. And then, couple that um, especially here in america with at least people are starting to understand more about how you know this money that's uh, being given out by the government here is it, it it's just fake um uh coming out of thin air and the then going back to uh what we talked about earlier there's only 21 million bitcoin uh, it can't ever happen so um bringing value back to that side of things will hopefully start clicking in people's heads as well it's incredible to think how different now is compared to then, like mm-hmm. 2017, just three years ago. What's changed? I mean, I mean, obviously the the, the main difference is we're all locked in our homes right now, which is, um, yeah. you know, uncomparable to any time in history. But you know, the amount of education that is out there um, totally. for people to like, if they see the price going up, it starts hitting the mainstream media. It starts hitting the news. They just like the just searching for a Bitcoin podcast, searching on Amazon for Bitcoin books, um, searching blog posts, just going onto Twitter, trying to find a few accounts. It, like it's orders of magnitude more than was available in 2017. So I have hope, um, as you do, that those people that come in, some will get shaken out, of course, on the way back down. But I think there'll be a bigger percentage this time around that, that stick around because of you know the material that's out there that they can educate themselves around it whilst they're getting the skin in the game um so yeah um well it's a feature not a bug right exactly and i'm all about 
hopefully enough of those people understand the um, the value in just doing simple dollar cost average every week or every month or whatever time frame you want to set on that and uh, just kind of slowly build up. Um, that's one thing that I've learned and um, I, I understood it even before then, but I even, you know, people like uh, uh, Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell, that they're constantly talking about that on their, their podcast and just, you know, get in, whether it's $5 or $10 or $100 or $1,000, doesn't matter. Uh, just start slowly doing that. And then you don't have to worry about um, popping in and out and trying to time things and, and blah, 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 because that can only get, uh, most likely will end up with you being sad. Yeah, exactly. And what's going on right now in the States, especially, like the, the, the companies that are getting built, you know, being based in Europe, I look over with a little bit of um, jealousy, uh, especially around um, like Swan, Swan Bitcoin, what they're doing mm-hmm. for dollar cost averaging. Um, fold lolly, uh, you know, these guys, it's, um, yeah, it's crazy. Really is like madness. Yeah. Fold lolly pie, uh, swan, like you said, there's a few other ones that I've stumbled across that I think are smaller doing similar dollar costs, you know, weekly buys. Um, I love lolly was the first, uh, uh, Bitcoin reward, uh, one that I started using and then I, use them all now because they all do it a little bit differently and touch a few different companies. So, um, uh, making sure that, you know, when my, uh, my wife's going to make a purchase at target, it's using the, uh, the gift card that was bought, bought from, uh, from fold and, and those little things and they add up. I mean, you know, it, even if it's a, you know, a few hundred bucks here and there over a course of the few years, it, it's something cause it's only going to get more valuable as it goes. And, uh, also excited to see, like uh, I'm sure you saw with Fold announcing their um, uh, their credit card uh, to earn sats back. Um, so that's exciting, and I know uh, BlockFi is working on one as well. And I'm sure there'll be others um, that start popping up over the place because, um, just like you, we're, I'm so used to uh, uh, leveraging uh, credit cards like that to be able to to go on you know, vacations and, and that sort of thing. And um, if you're able to leverage it for using a, get, getting Bitcoin back, that's going to even be even better. I would love for somebody to come out with, um, you know, buy sats with air miles. Yep. Uh, you know, I've got air miles sitting around I probably won't use, and I'd happily switch those for sats. But, uh, yep. yeah, we can totally. all dream. Um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, the, the way I try and explain it to people is um, – we, we've got Wirex here. I can use a Wirex and get some sats back on purchases. Um, they've gone a bit weird recently, though, and you have to hold a bit of their shit token to unlock <laughs> higher higher percentage cash back, sats back, excuse me. Um, you know, if you, if, you, like, if you buy a round of beers in a bar with that card, the way I look at it is like, well, those beers are trending to free. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And Or grocery shopping. Well, the, yep. all of these meals are trending to free um, because that, that's how convinced I am that like that don't just that little bit of percentage that's back in the long run is just going to um, yeah hold you in good stead in the next 10 years. Yep, I've had the exact same thoughts and conversations. Good. Well, you know, this is what it's all about, right? Education. And that brings us on to what you're doing in EdTech. Um, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about um, – about that, that company and what you're doing because uh, people are looking for answers right now. You know, everybody's out of school and hopefully questioning the current educational system as we should be questioning all of our fixed mindsets. Um, yeah, just tell us what the, the company's doing and, and where you see it going. Sure. Uh, so the company um, that I work uh, work with is called Journeys Map, um, and in very very simplest terms to start with, uh, we think of Journeys Map as Google Maps for learning. Um, so we've built out what if you're looking at it visually, it's very much a visual product. Um, and for anybody who on this side of things is interested, uh, after we're done, feel free to reach out and happy to do a virtual demo on that side of things as well. But um, essentially, it's it's a map. Um, and instead of having geographic locations like me being here in San Diego, Daniel being in France, um, somebody else being somewhere else and trying to figure out a, a route to get from point A to point B, um, our map is a lifelong learning continuum. So it starts down in pre-K in a territory called pre-K all the way through um, a territory called career with everything in between. So whether it's um, certifications, degrees, um, grade levels, military service, 
being able to think about that as the, the overarching territories or countries on a map. And then as you start um, zooming in and zooming out, if you will, um, those countries then start breaking down into those lower and lower levels. So for example, if I'm going into uh, uh, the career side of things, this is where our heaviest focus is um, as we've started to build things out. You're going to go from a, uh, a career cluster, like, like say uh, IT, um, down into the pathways that are found in the IT field, and then ultimately down into the occupations that are found there. And so it's just a, a zoom in, zoom out, uh, parental hierarchy relationship. And then essentially what happens is every spot on that map um, has related uh, data and resources um, that are part of it that are found on a dashboard, just like you'd click on um, a restaurant on Google Maps and find their location and their menu and when they're open. Um, you'd click on the job of video game designer. On our map, it would pop open, you know, what are the salaries? What are the degrees to get there? What are the certifications to get there? Um, and then being able to say, okay, I want to get there. Where am I today? Well, you know, maybe I'm a grade school student, so it's going to take me and I'm going to say, I'm here today. I want to get there, uh, create journey, and then it's going to provide you with those routes um, and alternative routes. So there's not one way to make it happen um, that are going through the various degree programs or the certifications or whatever the options are to give you a visual map of, okay, I need to finish out, you know, eighth through 12th grade. Maybe I'm going to go get a uh, computer science degree and then off into that field or maybe I'm going to skip the the traditional pathway and just grab a couple of stackable credentials um, and and ultimately get there and it's a, a visualization that that's new and innovative um, something we haven't um, in our years of building out and, and sharing it with many different audiences um, including being invited to the uh, the White House in 2016 by the uh, Michelle Obama Reach Hire campaign um, and sharing it there as a, a finalist in some of the work she was doing. Um, it's something that the, the number one con comments we hear are, are A, um, I've never seen this before. And then for those of us who are out of the traditional learning space, not in uh, grade school, the, the other comment is, man, I wish I had this when I was XYZ, you know, an eighth grader, a 10th grader, when I was down in school uh, to, to start exploring because a lot of our first work is all around letting that user explore careers and occupations that are based around his or her skills and interests. That sounds way more interesting than visiting the careers officer. <laughs> that doesn't even know your name. Right, right. exactly. Yes. I, I can't believe that's still even a position. It just blows me away. That, yeah. you know, it's, so, it's scary. Like in the, in the States here, the average ratio of in, in high school is around uh, four, 400 uh, students to one uh, career counselor or guidance counselor, whatever you want to call them, uh, which, I mean, to be fair, there's no way that that one person could <laughs> do 1% of what they're supposed you know, supposed to be doing with, with that sort of ratio. And also, the other reason we started uh, building this out is it's impossible, even if it's a you know a one-to-one -one ratio. Um, and Daniel, you're my guidance counselor. There's no way for you to... Uh, know that there are um, 1,800 different, this is more U.S. focus, 1,800 different quote-unquote occupations being recognized by the Department of Labor and then be able to tell you what are the you know the median wages in our local neighborhood um, area for that and the amount of pathways around it. It's just a human can't do these sorts of things, which is why you know, a human can't memorize every driving direction um, to get from San Diego to L.A. So that's why the, the mapping analogy that we're building um, fits and in our minds, uh, hopefully, um, because I don't think guidance counselors or, or career counselors are going to disappear. Um, but ideally, a tool like this, um, while right now I think a lot of them maybe feel threatened by it, um, we're not trying to replace them. We're hopefully trying to help them do their job better um, and support what they're trying to do. And, and hopefully, for those ones that um, are truly in it to try to help the kids, um, they're going to. Uh, understand that and be able to to use it for the better good. Yeah, hundred percent agree. This is like an, an absolute dream for a um, like a career counselor. You yep. can actually start now sitting down and, and adding value. So, yep, exactly. Wow. And really, part of part of what drove us uh, into this side of things. So, the company has actually been around since nineteen ninety um, and has a historical focus in the K twelve space here in the states, but. Um, is actually going back around 2012 or so, where um, as an organization, 
yes, there was a certain level of success, uh, monetarily speaking, that you could say was being had. But uh, we became more and more dissatisfied with the fact that, say, a school district is buying your product, but then at the end of the day, it's not getting used. Um, it's just a contract, and they're they're making a checklist and, and knocking it off, and then come back around the next year, and hopefully they uh, say yes again, or maybe they have a change in personnel, and you, you're back at square one. And we became very dissatisfied with that model um, and said, okay, we want to leverage a lot of our historical work um, and then be able to create something that for this um, um, uh, product is more focused on that individual user. Um, we're going to satisfy the individual user first. And then ideally, if we get enough of those, um, the groundswell going up to whether you're talking about a traditional school or how it can be used at um, inside organizations. We work locally here with the, the San Diego Housing Commission um, through a, a career center innovation lab that they have. So it's not just a, a school product. It's something that ideally can be used from schools all the way through organizations and industry and, and government as well um, to be able to, to get value from. Are you adding Bitcoin companies like by the dozens? <laughs> we hope to one day. That'd be awesome. Be able to, to have some uh, some of those pathways on there, and I'm, I have no doubt that that'll happen. Uh, uh, especially if you're talking about um, those younger kids coming in, I'm sure it's, they're able to explore those sorts of things. They'd probably be the first ones to want to dive in. Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. That would be awesome if you could like start pushing people into the uh, into the right places for the for their best future. Um, all all based around Bitcoin. That's yeah. The future's rosy. It is. We'll get there one day. Um, so, you mentioned the White House. I I, I can't let that one just let that carrot <laughs> dangle and uh, not ask you about that experience. Um, how did that come about, and what what was that like? It was well, one uh, much happier that it happened in uh, 2016 in the, the previous previous <laughs> regime uh, than than today. I'll, I'll get that out of the way. Um, probably <laughs> probably declined that invite. Uh, sorry for anybody who might have offended there, but. Um, uh, it was an experience nonetheless. So um, we had a pl- Michelle Obama was putting on, it was called the Reach Hire Campaign, no, excuse me, Reach Hire Challenge. Um, and uh, the short of it was she was putting on a campaign to identify the next wave of um, college and career readiness uh, platforms coming into the marketplace. Um, so there was a, a submission process, which we've all uh, we've done before, and sometimes they just feel like they go into a black hole and you never know where it's going to go. Uh, but we had our fingers crossed uh, that you know maybe we'd uh, uh, get recognized through this. And uh, I re- actually remember that I was the submittee on the application, so I was actually the one that had the email pop over um, a few months later, saying, "Hey, you know, congrats! You, you're uh, one of the top five, uh, which was kind of the, the cut they were going for, um, which was obviously an exciting day in the office um, and being able to, to go and let everybody know. And from there. There were five, com- uh, four other companies along with ourselves um, that were selected. Uh, we went through about a, uh, say, four to six month um, uh, mentor process, if you will. So the uh, the people running the campaign had identified five or six mentors across various industries. So say uh, a couple of them were um, guidance uh, guidance counselors of the years here in, in the K twelve system. Um, another was um, an individual at a uh, who had sold a startup in the ed tech space. Um, somebody else was somebody working for the NSA and uh, data uh, data craft. So a few different minds, and you'd go through, uh, connect with those people, and um, being uh, open with their time. Sometimes as much as you know weekly, and you'd kind of talk through your your proposal, talk through your product, talk through your submission, get their feedback, and um, see it come from a different landscape each time, and then. Um, the culmination of all that was um, a trip to the White House, um, at which uh, I've done over the, I'm kind of the, the person who does the majority of the demos even here today uh, for the product. And I've done I don't know, probably five, uh, 600 of them over the years. Um, and there's probably never was and never will be a, a demo more uh, nerve wracking um, than that, <laughs> that morning there to, to be able to get in there. You had, you had 10 minutes. Um, it was, uh, all timed out and they said, you know, you go over your 10 minutes, you're going to be cut off. Um, and so you had to get everything succinct. Um, uh, I actually co-presented with my sister, um, up there. Um, so it was a cool experience. We were in the, um, Indian treaty room, 
which is right off of the the west wing um and being able to be there in front of a, a group and roll through our presentations and um yeah it was i think the presentation started a little after lunch and i know that that time from waking up probably early on because i was nerve nervous until the presentation uh, my heart didn't stop beating uh, trying to make sure that I had everything in my head. And, uh, uh, but it went off swimmingly. Um, at the end of the day, we didn't end up uh, becoming the the, uh, the winner um, of the total thing, but that really was a, not necessarily the, uh, the point we got. Just having that recognition so early on in what we were building um, helped us get to where we're at today. And did you pitch directly to Michelle? So they were <laughs> leading up to the day. They were very secretive about that. Um, I think partly because uh, those schedules are uh, probably come and go on a daily basis, so you never completely know. Uh, going up to leaving, they had, without saying directly, uh, alluded to the fact that she would most likely be there and, and in the audience. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we were there over July fourth um, in twenty sixteen. So it was right when. Um, the original uh, prior campaigns were starting. So both her and Barack um, had left right after their July 4th party to go um, uh, support. I think it was in Poland. Um, something was going on over there and they, they ended up leaving. So uh, whether she was going to be or not going to be there that day if they were in town, I, I guess never know. Um, it would, they alluded to it, so I'm going to believe that she was supposed to be there and then got pulled away. Oh, that's a shame. It's a shame as well, like uh, you hadn't fallen down the Bitcoin rabbit hole at that stage because you could have shilled Bitcoin to them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had because then I would have bought in at even lower. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, cool story. Thanks for sharing. So let's get, on to, um, let's get on to the game. You know, you, you clearly have a passion for education, you have a passion for Bitcoin, and you've married the two. So what's... Uh, yeah, what what it must have been like a, an interesting. These things don't just spring up overnight. So yeah, give yeah. us the down and dirty. Yeah, so like I mentioned, kind of that, that 2017 beginning, and then uh, ended up getting hooked in, and uh, like you just said, kind of the combination of the I, I have experience in the, the overarching education space, not only with where I work, but also um, a large amount of, uh, family members in my, uh, immediate family from my mom to my cousins, uh, aunts and uncles are educators, uh, primarily in the K-12 space. So, um, uh, I've had this in the back of my, this kind of educator thought process in the back of my head, probably since birth, uh, mixed with the entrepreneurship side that comes from uh, my dad's side of things. And the more and more I started to learn, the more I said, okay, um, in order to take the next step in adoption, a lot of things are going to have to be uh, uh, easier, easier, more easily accessible by a, a wider berth of audience. So just like a, a lolly or a fold or a pie, um, it's a pretty easy concept to understand. Okay, you know, click here and, and go buy your um, uh, book your hotel through hotels.com by do first click on the lolly link um, and you're going to get this back. Okay, that's something people can understand and go off from there. And so I said, what, what can I do um, to help support the space? And it's probably been about a year and a half of thinking of different things. Um, probably a little over a year ago, I had quote unquote settled on a, a game idea um, that I kept running through in my head. And I went through different versions of it. And to start with, um, it was probably uh, way too complex uh, trying to, get back to say, okay, um, why do I need all these different pieces going on in the game? I'm trying to make something simple. And when I just kept thinking about it, the, the concept of mining, um, at the end of the day, strip all the complexity out of it. It comes down to really two main things, at least the way I thought about it. Um, a, a target um, that has to be uh, uh, met and a nonce that has to be selected by um, a miner. Those those two things in my head became the baseline of everything else that came from uh, came out of the game, and once I got down to that simple base layer, is where I was kind of able to start building up the uh, the game from there. Just just for the the, uh, the real noobs and myself included, because I love having things you know explained to me like I'm a nine year old. Um, could you explain uh, a nonce? What 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 you mean exactly by that? Sure. And full disclosure, I am not a miner. I have never mined. Um, I uh, would not claim to be an expert, but uh, hopefully uh, 
for people with, with my brain or your brain, or uh, like you said, the noobs out there, that's, that's who I'm trying to help uh, the most. So the concept being um, a nonce really is think of it, it's a number um, that gets picked by somebody who's mining the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, you don't, in this case, uh, it's a computer who's selecting it. Um, and that number gets inserted into a, um, uh, a uh, cryptographic algorithm uh, called SHA-256, which is where part of uh, the naming convention of SHA-Marie comes from. Um, so you put that number in there. Um, once that's done, along with a bunch of other stuff that, that happened before that, um, the accumulation of all those factors spits out a hash, um, and that hash needs to then go ahead and uh, quote-unquote match um, a target that has been set by the block. Um, and if you are the lucky miner who's uh, made that connection from uh, hash to, uh, uh, to target, you have mined that block and you get your Bitcoin reward. So that, at least in my head, is a very simple way of thinking about how it's all, how the, uh, uh, the blockchain works. And that's how the game works as, as well, yep, correct? Exactly. Exactly. So... Um, for the game purposes, um, obviously, uh, being a card game, so much of this is, is visual and, um, there is a kind of how to play video that's on the website that will paint an even better picture. But in the short of it, the way, I, if you kind of have that baseline, I started then thinking, okay, the act, you know, there's the act of selecting a nonce, um, that match, uh, uh, that matches a target. Well, that started reminding me of playing the game of memory. Um, as a kid where you, you know, you're laying down a bunch of cards, uh, maybe they have images on them or whatever it may be. And you're going to flip over two cards and try to f have the, find the two that match each other. And if you do, you take those two cards and uh, now there's two less and you go around in circles and the person who's uh, matched the most at the end wins. So, you know, what? that that's very similar to picking um, a nonce and having it go through the whole technical process. And at the end of the day, having it be the one that was good for that target. So, okay, so the game starts, you, you lay down um, uh, 11 nonce cards uh, face down, so you can't see them. Each of these cards, to kind of make it uh, engaging, there's not numbers on them, there's actually fun little uh, Bitcoin monster characters um, that are made so that, hopefully they're, they're cool looking, uh, um, and something that both, uh, say, a five, six, seven, eight-year-old uh, will enjoy uh, playing with, as well as someone um, in their 20s, 30s, or 40s. So it's not meant to just be kids, but so I kind of have a, a graphical face that is widespread from there. And those are all face down. Um, there's a stack of target cards. Um, you're going to flip over one of those. So there's one facing. So there's your, your target's been set. Um, you sit in, uh, say, a circle with your, your friends, two or more people. Uh, you're going to roll a dice um, from there. Uh, if you, there's one of two things can happen. And one is that's going to say, okay, you can mine. So you get to pick and flip over one of those cards. Uh, you flip over a card, you don't find a match, nothing happens. You flip it back over, let it go there, and, and uh, it's now Daniel's turn to play. Uh, if you find a match, awesome. You, you mined uh, that first block. So you take those two cards away, and then there's another stack of cards that are the block cards. Um, so you flip over the one that is block height zero or the Genesis block um, and place it to the side, and that... that uh, uh, blocks been mined and the other set of cards that there is uh, a reward card so there's a bitcoin reward that you then get to take and the next player is going to roll um, that person rolls and now let's say they flip over um, a card the other thing that's laid out there with the nonce cards that looks visually from the top exactly the same is a card called difficulty adjustment which without getting technical in real bitcoin mining um, things can get harder or easier um, as uh, things happen. Um, and this, the game's purpose is things really only uh, get harder for these to kind of keep it simple. But if you flip over a card that says difficulty adjustment, all that happens is there's another stack of them. You need to add one more of those cards face down into the pile. So now there's more cards to have to pick from. So the game just got a little bit harder. Um, so that's the, uh, the other action that can happen. And then the last being you roll uh, one of the sides of the dice says attack. And that means your blockchain is getting attacked as long as there's at least one block there, uh, you have to take an attack card, place it alongside the lowest uh, uh, block there. And if at any given point in time, those attack cards get higher than your blockchain cards, uh, a 51% attack has occurred, and the game has to start completely over. But at the end of the day, if you mine to a block height of 10, 
Um, you completed the blockchain, if you will, for these purposes. Um, everybody gets to keep the Bitcoin that they've uh, they've mined, obviously, but the one who's mined the most is deemed the, the quote-unquote winner of the overall game and then uh, go back and, and start playing again if you want to. Yeah, the concept is brilliant, and I honestly, I can't wait to play it because I know my kids are going to love it. It's uh, I, I've seen the the demo. The, the demo people can see. Where, where should they head to see that, the video demo? Yeah, so if you go to uh, shamari.com, and that's S-H-A-M-O-R-Y, um, both on the, the landing page, the first homepage, um, I have it embedded there so you can watch there. There's also right up top, you'll see a, a how to play uh, page. And if you go there, there's both the, uh, the video. And then I also, for those people who like seeing things written out, um, I have the gameplay rules written out there as well. So trying to satisfy um, both audiences. And it's very lightweight. It's just like a, a little card game. And um, it's, yeah, you'll be able to travel with it, take it wherever you like. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's really, really cool. And, and, uh, is there anything else in the space like this? Like, or did you just, when you were doing your research, you were like, huh, like there's nothing for kids to really play and learn? I didn't find much. So there's other, uh, so the only other card game that I stumbled across, I think it was, um, it's called like Crypto Cards or something along those lines. Um, and by the time I found them, um, they had actually shut down. Um, and I, re- I reached out to, uh, uh, through Twitter, just to say, yeah, well, I'll reach out and see, you know, what their experience was like um, and uh, ended up talking to one of the guys or girls over there. I'm, I'm not sure who it was and going back and forth a few times and uh, they just simply stopped selling it. And they said they, uh, their pain point, I guess, was they launched it right after the last bull run ended um, and for whatever reason, couldn't start generating enough interest in um, being able to, to sell it. So, um, I'm guessing it was also a side project. So that's the only other game that I've necessarily come across. Um, there's products. So I've seen um, uh, BitPiggy. I don't know if you've seen that mm-hmm. uh, that one flitter around. So similar concept where it's not a game, obviously, but it's a, a piggy bank for Bitcoin that you could, in theory, give to uh, your kid to start um, keeping track of things. So I think the little games like this, products like that, um, are starting to bubble up. We'll probably see more and more of them and um, uh, coming into the space. I mean, part of the reason I went, there's many different versions of the game before you're, I got landed on, but what's here today kind of with the, the monster concept. And part of the reason I went with this sort of design is that it, ideally, if the game catches on enough, and especially for the younger audience, um, having uh, kids be able to buy a, you know one of these Bitcoin monsters as their, their plush toy or a, a T-shirt or a, even for adults, that sort of thing. But uh, being able to turn the characters that have some sort of Bitcoin representation on them, and if you walk in you know to a kid's room and see that in there, um, that's just another way to, to plant a seed in the back of um, uh, his or her head. And how do you think, what would um, be the best way, do you think, for you to get this out to as many people as possible? Yeah. So, well, one, um, just being able to to connect with someone like yourselves. You were you were gracious enough to respond to my Twitter DM. You you had no idea who I was, um, and uh, were kind enough to respond and, and start to get to know me a little bit, um, and then invite me on this podcast. And um, having more people like yourself um, out there, which I know there there are, um, being able to to have these discussions, whether it's just one to one or on a podcast, um, is extremely valuable because. Um, that's how so much of the, the content we're all uh, digesting each day is, is consumed. Um, I actually, one of the other people that um, was kind enough to reach out to me uh, over the past few weeks, and full disclosure, I just launched everything uh, less than two weeks ago um, from their website side of things. So it's, it's very early on, but um, I had bought the, uh, uh, the Bitcoin book that uh, the Bitcoin rabbi um, had written, and um, I have it in my, uh, my kid's room over there. And so I said, um, obviously, just like with the BitPiggy, same concept. I should have brought that one up earlier, but another way to ingrain it in the the younger generation with familiarity. So I reached out to him, and uh, he was kind enough to respond. And one of the, the questions I asked was, you know, when you started, uh, what was what helped you kind of get to that next level of, uh, or your book's next level of recognition? And he said, oh, you know, just the number one thing was um, I started reaching out to people who had podcasts and um, enough of them were, were kind enough to, to hear what I was doing and, and invite me on. Um, so that, that's one way, um, that I'm, I'm working on. Obviously I'm, uh, not 
able to you know throw tons of marketing bucks behind uh, this just yet to be able to to do any uh, formal advertising. But I don't think it necessarily needs that, um, especially for now, um, with people like yourselves and others that can uh, have been so positively received about the concept. Um, that sort of viral aspect, I think, is more valuable than uh, paying X Y Z amount to have a, a Google ad or an Instagram ad or a Twitter ad. Um, having people being organically gravitated to it is um, uh, going to stick a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, certainly agree. Well, um, I hope um, anybody or everybody that's listening to this um, goes and checks out. Um, it, just explain the name again, so that sure. um, people are exactly um, like get shamory. Uh, yeah. So the the name, so it's uh, Sha, so S H A, and that comes from uh, the crypto af- uh, algorithm uh, that is Sha two fifty six. Um, so I took the first part of that, and that's where it's kind of the whole hashing and, and whatnot that we talked about earlier comes into play, getting extremely technical. And then Mori, I just took the end of memory um, and and put them together and said, okay, Sha Mori, um, and kind of unique, funny. Um, concept there uh people seem to once they understand what's going on uh, get where the uh, the shah uh part comes from um and it, it seems to make sense uh, on that side of things um for anybody who's interested i went ahead and um made a 10 uh, percent off code uh, for uh, people who are listening to this podcast so um, if they're you're interested in coming right now it's um i'm taking pre-orders uh, unfortunately, due to the uh, the pandemic, the shop I was using to make my initial run has had to be shut down over the past month. So I'm working on some alternative uh, options there that hopefully will still get my uh, first orders out here in the next few months. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, your the pre-orders are up and running. And if somebody listening here is interested in, in doing so, feel free to drop in the code uh, BITTEN10, so B-I-T-T-E-N, just like the name of the podcast. And the number ten, and and you can enjoy ten percent off. So, uh, that, that that's really cool. Thank you for doing that. Um, I had no idea you were going to do that, and um, that's that's brilliant. I urge anybody to go and look at it. But I also, you know, I, I just hear there's a little bit of a, a concern with with like uh, manufacturing the product. Is, is there any way? I don't know if there's anyone listening to this within their network that can reach out and perhaps. Um, help scott uh what, what would be like the kind of thing that you're looking for help with there so i guess the um the main thing would be if, if people are familiar with um uh, the print uh, uh more volume side printing options uh, that do card game printing um, i've actually i think just last night uh found uh, a new option for the dice that i think is gonna gonna work out here so um, i've got that uh underway to to get back up and running um I also think I have a couple different options that I'm working on um, for the cards to, to supplement the one that uh, has had to be shut down due to the pandemic. But if there are people out there who are in the uh, the manufacturing space around games and, and that sort of thing, don't hesitate to reach out. Hopefully, uh, this is only the first run of, of many um, going on down the line. So there's nothing uh, binding me to any uh, current printer that I may, may work with if there's uh, better options or people uh, that are Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in Bitcoin. And if you're doing something in the space, then all the better to be able to help support each other. Well, you heard it, listeners. Get thinking. Dip into those networks. Let's see if we can help Scott out, get um, get these cards running. Um, yeah. Have you, You've obviously tested the game many times. What, what's been the kind of feedback from from like noobs, people that have never like even thought about Bitcoin before? Like, what, what kind of what, – what's taken you by surprise the most? Um so I guess uh, the person who's had to test it the most is probably my wife, who um, uh, has been gracious enough to even go back to times when the game completely sucked. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> um, so being able to to hear that um, and be like, you know, it's just too boring or whatnot. Like I, the first time I created it, uh, I guess the part of the first time it was actually tested. Um, there's a few versions before this where I was just doing kind of chicken scratch on index cards um, of ideas that were way too complex. But instead of having um, characters on the cards, uh, which now makes it a lot more fun, um, the other thing it does, it's a lot easier to remember what these characters look like to be able to go through and, and do the matching as opposed to the very first round of things. I was trying to still make it more uh, real in the sense where 
um, we were matching numbers. So like the cards would have like the number 12 or the number 100. And then um, those were supposed to act like um, an actual nonce. And one, it's, it's not as fun to just stare and match at numbers uh, for anybody, no matter what age you are. And then two, it's your brain and what we found it, um, it doesn't sink in as much. So the game could kind of drag on um, a little bit longer where really this isn't meant to be a game that's going to last for hours like Monopoly. Um, it could you know, be done in 10 minutes uh, if you uh, have uh, the right set of people playing it. Um, so kind of a, a quicker game, which obviously today um, days with uh, the um, amount of time people spend paying attention to things, whether it's a, a video or a piece of audio or a game, um, kind of that, that fast rotation where you can do it, play again, do it, play again, um, comes into play. And going through and hearing little bits from there where I took it from very complex um, to less complex, but still not as fun um, to where it is today to be able to say, okay, um, the characters are cool. Uh, the concept uh, makes sense. And even people uh, who have never played it, but going through and, and watching the video like you did um, and say, okay, no, this this is cool. Like, I get it. I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't heard anybody come back and say, oh, this doesn't make sense at all. You know, technically, you know, this wouldn't be doing that there, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's been good. And at the same time, if somebody does say that, I want to want to hear the feedback. But hopefully that what that feedback is, is falling back more in the, the too complex and technical nature, where that's not the purpose of the game. The purpose of the game is to start just spreading the name, the concept of Bitcoin um, and bring awareness to it. And then a byproduct, hopefully, of that is being able to um, see little concepts around the technology come into play. But uh, I'm less concerned about people necessarily taking that type, deep dive of the rabbit hole um, if they're just starting to understand that, oh, there's a thing called Bitcoin out there. I foresee. Uh, I, I've not been to any of the conferences yet. Um, and of course, we're all locked down. We won't see these conferences back up uh, probably until um, next year. But I do know that at these conferences, there can be some high-stake poker games going on. Yeah, I think there'll be some high-stake shamari games going on in the not-too-distant <laughs> future. That Funny you say that. that. It's been in the back of my head. There's a company called, uh, I think it's The Giving Block. Um, I was talking to them um, the past few weeks, and they were putting on a, a high-stake a poker, a virtual poker game to help raise money um, um, for some of the work that they're doing around the Bitcoin nonprofit space. Um, and I think, uh, I could be wrong, but I think, uh, Peter McCormick, who I, who I know was just on your, uh, podcast. I think he played in this first one that was a week or so ago. Um, and they're planning on doing another one here. And I had reached out to them and said, Hey, um, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, there might be ways to, uh, to collaborate. Um, and what I said to them is I know it's probably a little too early right now, uh, but doing a, a similar concept, but with, uh, the game I have would be something that'd be very cool, both virtually or like you said, um, at the conferences themselves. Yeah, it'd be excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, um, like you say, I, I, I can't wait to, to get my hands on, um, on, on a pack and, uh, and play it with my, uh, with my kids. My son especially just loves that, that kind of thing. You know, it's, uh, he, he'll play it for hours and hours. And, uh, yeah, more exposure to Bitcoin is what we're all about as parents. Yep, so, exactly. uh, perfect. Well, the one last Scott, thing. I'll add yeah, one more ahead. thing just while we're on the, the topic of kind of uh, the conference and um, industry side of things. The other idea for anybody who's out there who's on that side of things that I have related to this is whether you're talking about a, at a conference or just as a way to uh, do some sort of marketing for potential prospects or current clients. Uh, one of the other ideas I have in my head is being able to um, provide a branded version um, of the game to uh, companies to be able to use as, say, their swag at a conference. Um, one of the most of the studies show that when people are going to these conferences, the the top swag that always gets the most feedback are things that you can take back to your kids. Um, and obviously, with a game like this, it could be for your kids or for uh, yourselves um, or both. Um, but I think um, going being able to provide something like this is a lot more valuable than uh, getting lost in the shuffle of a, a pen or a USB drive or a, a t shirt that somebody might you know they either throw away or wear to the gym or or whatnot, but being able to um, say, hey, you know, I remember the company that gave me uh, my Shamari game um, and being able to use it like that is another way that we can help spread adoption together. And so 
just wanted to throw it out there. If anybody's listening who's on that side of things, uh, reach out as well and happy to, to discuss it. I'm imagining a pack of cards now, the Shamari game, the Honey Badger Special Edition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> from from a Riga conference, which exactly. uh, would make so much sense. Like, yeah, it, it's you, you, you're totally right. You know, it, it's so easy to put these things in a little swag bag that um, – you can take back to your, your your family and sit down and play with them and, and always have that memory. So, um, yeah, mate, I think you're onto a winner, and Thanks. I really do. And that's why I wanted you to, to come onto the show and talk about it um, because I know parents around the world, Bitcoin parents around the world, were thinking of different ways to expose our kids um, to Bitcoin in a, an easy-to-understand way. And, and this is, you know, you're ticking all the boxes, like every single box. We, we, we learn through play. Um, and it's uh, you know it's good wholesome fun family time sitting around um, playing games together. We're uh, all stuck inside, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got nowhere else to go. <laughs> or, although even when we are allowed out again, no, it's perfect thing to take along to a picnic, right? So uh, exactly. yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I really do. Um, yeah, I appreciate well it. Well done. Congratulations. I really think um, it's going to go uh, a long way. And please, anyone listening, that you know, if you think you can help Scott out in any way at all, reach out. Scott, where can they find you? Sure. So um, for contacting me directly, if you want to go by email, it's just my first name, Scott at shamari.com, S-H-A-M-O-R-Y. Obviously, the, the website is shamari.com. Uh, I'm also personally on on Twitter at Scott M. Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y. So you can get me there. Or uh, for everybody who's out there, please feel free to go along and find uh, Shamari on Twitter at Play Shamari, P-L-A-Y uh, Shamari. And feel free to, to follow along um, on what's going on. I, do, I also set up... Um, Instagram and Facebook pages for those, but I'm more focused on the Twitter side of things right now as I'm, I'm launching. So uh, feel free to, to reach out in any of those methods. Um, you'll get a hold of me and we'll be able to, to connect. Excellent. And I always close the podcast with uh, the same kind of question. Uh, in your case, I suppose it would be um, if there was one person in the world that you could get the game into their hands who would then sit down and play it with their kids, understand it, get drawn down into the rabbit hole of Bitcoin, understand Bitcoin, and then go and share their knowledge of Bitcoin and your game with their audience, who would that person be and why? Yeah, I think my answer, so uh, besides being interested in, in Bitcoin and travel and, and scuba diving, um, I'm a, a sports junkie. Um, and so I definitely, growing up, just being around that uh, level of interest, see how, you know, one athlete uh, saying something could uh, have so much sway on someone. I know someone like a um, Russell Okun, uh, who does a lot of work uh, in the Bitcoin space. I know there's some uh, uh, basketball players doing the same thing. So I think my answer, while I'm not, well, basketball isn't my biggest, uh, uh, NBA basketball specifically, I guess, my biggest uh, interest, someone like a, a LeBron James uh, being able to, to get pulled into the ecosystem um, especially around how um, he's started to, uh, he has a, his charity work focuses a lot around education. Um, he has the school that he built out in Akron, um, being able to provide scholarships and that sort of thing. So um, obviously one of the most recognizable figures across the board, even if you have no idea what basketball is around the world. Um, and then for those who know, being able to have someone like that start to, to go down the rabbit hole, I think would be immensely valuable. Nice answer. Nice. That's the first time. That's the first time we've had LeBron. So, awesome. uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard some of them. I know uh, Kanye and uh, uh, who else? I think uh, were the other ones I've heard in the head. I forget who Peter just. I just listened to the Peter one the other day. And I can't remember who he said. Um, Joe Rogan, I think. Picks. Yes, you are. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah, who's generally been the uh, the most. Um, uh, prolific answer, uh, yeah. definitely. And, uh, um, Elon Musk is probably you know, another person out there that uh, would be helpful just on the the tech side of things. Mark Cuban, <laughs> he's always yeah. uh, and not uh, always friendly received the side of things. But if he were ever to flip, yeah, yes, exactly. Well, we can uh, we can only live in hope that uh, some more people come into the space that um, can get to. You know, we're all doing our bit in our own way to educate people. It's um, you know, to, to have one of these like uh, huge influencers come out and, and help people come into the rabbit hole and start their own journey would be uh, would be incredible. Yeah. So, um, 
Scott, thank you so much for your time. Is there any parting thoughts or messages that uh, that you want to close on? No, well, first, I'll just reiterate my thanks to you for, for taking the time today, inviting me on and, and getting to know me. It's been enjoyable, and I uh, have a strong feeling it's not going to be the uh, the last time uh, that we connect. Hopefully, keep the conversation going on and on and offline um, and uh, meeting up, whether it's in the States or, or in France at some point in time. And then for everybody listening, uh, thanks for making it this far. Uh, please feel free to reach out. I, I want to hear your feedback, engage um, with those who are out there um, and um, be able to ultimately, if you're interested, um, go ahead and, and get, get a pre-order in there. I promise uh, the game's going to come out. We'll, we'll get out of this uh, pandemic we're in and be able to start uh, shipping things around and, and be able to do so even before we're able to leave the house. But um, thanks for everybody for, for making it this far. Excellent. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, Daniel. Hey guys, thank you for listening and thanks to Scott again for spending the time to to talk us through what uh, he's up to in the Bitcoin space. And as usual, we got somebody else focusing on education and this is this is so key. So key because the, the, the only way we're going to get more people into the space and what well, learning is to educate. And what, what Scott has done here I've seen the game. He's, he's demoed it to me live on Zoom. Um, it looks so good. I really want to get um, my hands on it, and I can't wait till um, one arrives in our, well, if the post ever starts working again in this country, um, and sit down and play it with the kids. And they're not even going to know what they're, what they're learning. This is the beauty of it. They're going to be learning through play, which is always the best way to learn, especially for young kids. And... It's just going to be sinking in, like naturally. And they're going to start learning all of this lingo, like a hash rate, like a nonce, like a blockchain, um, a, a target. And that that is just, when, when it actually comes to them going down the rabbit hole a little bit longer, all of that knowledge is just going to be baked in from remembering, sitting around, playing um, family games together, having fun. And this is what it's all about. Uh, and it's... I can't imagine there's anything else like it out there at the moment. So I'm really excited that this is this is coming to the market as as Bitcoin parents. We're always looking for ways to to teach our kids about Bitcoin in a fun way rather than bore them to tears with uh, all of our um, wisdom. So I hope you go and check it out. Shamari.com uh, and go there now and check out the video because uh, Scott's got a YouTube video shows you exactly how the game works and you I'm sure you'll love it honestly I, I really do and uh, really again thank you so much Scott for coming on the show thank you everybody for listening and as I said at the beginning of the show thanks for everybody that is uh, sharing the show out and retweeting and commenting and, and giving feedback Always reach out on Twitter if you have any feedback. If you have any guests you'd like me to reach out to or can connect me with, I'm always looking for slightly different people to, to bring onto the show and you know get into their minds, get into their brains, find out their story, find out what they're building, what, you know where this journey is taking them. And um, yeah, um, thank you so much. So have a great um morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. And thanks again for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.